Welcome to the Not Old Yet podcast, where we explore the subject of aging from a fresh new perspective. Each week, you will learn how to look, feel, and be youthful, no matter your age or stage of life. Tune in each episode to hear words of wisdom, stories of hope, and keeping it real advice from your host, Elizabeth Vanderveer. We got a beautiful story. I'm Elizabeth Vanderveer, your host of the Not Old Yet Global Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I've got my good friend Cindy here, Cindy Taylor. Hi, Cindy. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. Hanging in there. I know you've had a little bit of a rough morning, a rough night, and we're going to talk like girlfriends because today we are talking about friends platonic friends. This is not a dating episode, this is not about relationships that are based on sexual attraction. This is good friends, guy to guy, girl to girl, guy to girl. There's all sorts of different friendships and boy, do they change as we age, how we get new friends changes and how we keep them and if we keep them. And it's such an interesting, dicey topic to talk about friendship because it's so essential in our lives to have friends and a support system And yet, many times we come away from those interactions with friends feeling defeated or kind of negative or kind of like, gosh, those are some minutes, hours, days I can't get back. Why did I do that? So we're going to dive deep on why you need friendships and then how you pick your friends and when you know it's the time to let a friend go. It's been said that people come into our lives for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And... I think most of us have some problem with the seasonal people, the people that come and go. It's hard to have friends come and go. So Cindy, take it away. Let's hear some of your wisdom. I find you're such a wise person, no matter what we're talking about. You and I have been friends for about 15 years, and Mm -hmm. we've weathered the years and the life circumstances and everything. We don't talk all the time. We haven't over the years, and yet we've maintained a friendship, which is really valuable to me. You are uh, not a generation older than me, but a significant amount older than me, and I find that that really adds value to my life. You've had a few more years than me to live life and to be a mentor to me. Quite frankly, I consider you like a sister because I never had one, but that's very rare to find those really, really amazing friends. So what have your experiences been with friends? Well, I know that for me, I'm easier to meet friends now than I was much younger. I was actually really shy as a child. Mm -hmm. But I also remember that in school, grade school, that it was considered Almost all the girls in your class were considered to be your friends. And then as we get older, we start to pare that down somewhat, where now we're finding our closer friends and our best friends. You might have sleepovers and that type of thing. Right, like around age 10, 8, 10, 12. Yes, yes. And then when you're in junior high, it starts to 
uh, flare up a little bit because hormones and then you start to get that feeling of wanting to fit in and who do I hang around with and you know this kind of thing and it also becomes a little broader in regards to the the age thing you know you might be in eighth grade and then you've got a few friends who are also in seventh grade whereas growing up they were friends that were pretty much just in your grade in your class mm -hmm. then in high school oh my gosh, there's this whole other world called upperclassmen. Right. And you, you get into that and you're learning to communicate on a friendship level with girls, guys that are older. And then, of course, college is a whole other experience. Right. Well, when I was 21, I met a woman and, uh, that became my best friend. And she and I were roommates and we actually worked together. And this was for about five years, give or take. And so that's really rare that you can work with someone, live with them, and play with them at the same time. Was and, she your age? Uh, she was my age. Mm -hmm. I used to tease her about being older because her birthday was about two and a half months before mine. And... When she married, she had two sons. I married, I had two sons. Our sons were within an age of each other. And as two different families, we would still come together over the years and vacation together, renting a house at the coast or up in the Tahoe region or something like that. Mm -hmm. She was my maid of honor. And the years would pass, but birthday card was never missed, a Christmas card was never missed, phone calls periodically always happened, and we could always pick up where we left off. That's what kind of friendship it was. When the chips were down, she would turn to me and vice versa, and we would be there to pick it up and to be the other person's best cheerleader, um, confidant, and supporter. You just summed up the ideal friend. I mean, those are great qualities. It, it, was, it was an exceptional, exceptional friendship. And uh, it was about, um, I guess it was about seven years ago. No, it wasn't that long ago. Five to six years ago, she called me up and said that she had just been diagnosed with a uh, tumor that was inoperable in her head. And they had given her six, seven weeks. And uh, of course, immediately I said I would fly down. And she said that she was being inundated with family members from all over the country that were coming in sporadically to see her, to spend time with her. And that when things got rough, she would call me. And I said I would come. Uh, she was fortunate enough to last six and a half months. And the night before her birthday, she passed. It's a friendship that I will always, always treasure, and I miss her terribly. Sure. I mean, those are big life changes, and losing someone so young is just tragic. Friends like that are very rare, and losing friends early is always hard, as you've mm -hmm. indicated. Yeah. Some of the qualities of a good friend are that they're loyal, obviously, as she was, trustworthy and trustworthy means that they don't gossip they don't say what you've told them they're there for you another really important quality of friendships that you and i have talked about over the years is 
are they happy for you when you have something good in your life? And ask yourself the same question. Are you genuinely happy for your friends when they have something good happen in their lives? And check yourself, because very often we're not. We're jealous, or I looked up the definition of covet, which is you want what they have for yourself. And quite frankly, at the exclusion of whether or not your friend has it or not, you want it, what they have. So finding those friends that are supportive and loyal and honest and trustworthy, I mean, sounds like we're describing a Girl Scout or a Boy Scout, but these things are really important and you have to feel safe with a friend. We've talked about gaslighting in a dating relationship, but there can be gaslighting in a platonic relationship where you're just not supported. If you come, one of the best things to do in a friendship, uh, especially if you're in the evaluative stage, is when you come away from an interaction with that person, no matter where it is, if it's on digital or on the phone or in person, are you coming away uplifted? Are you coming away feeling positive about your life, their life, your interaction? And if you're not, do a gut check and find out what it is. Was it a comment they made? Was it a look they gave you? Was it a attitude you got when something occurred in the uh, interaction? And do a check and find out what it is that left you feeling like it was a suboptimal experience. Any thoughts on that, Cindy, about how to evaluate whether or not your friend really has your best interests at heart? Actually, what you just said, I think, really kind of covers it. If you walk away from time spent with a friend that leaves you uneasy, feeling down about yourself, having doubt, then that's a check right there. That's when you ask yourself, do I need to put some space between that person and myself? Is it something they're just going through and you've never seen it before in them? Quite possibly. It has That's nothing to do with you. Exactly what I was thinking, right? As you said it is, do a, a check-in with yourself and say, do I feel like this every time we get together? And mm -hmm. I just am now like cluing into my own gut feeling or has something changed? So you're right. They could be going through a stressful time. It could be financial. It could be, you know, relational. Who knows? You're right. But at the same time, I think we often let things slide and just continue to go forward when our gut is going, ah, wait, no, that wasn't fulfilling. That wasn't good. That wasn't as my dad would say, edifying, you know, it wasn't leading you anywhere positive. It was just a bitch fest. And as we've talked about, no pun intended, bitch fest, we are advocating too that you don't just go to the bar and sit down and start drinking and eating all the greasy fried food in the bar and having a bitch session, you know, do something a little bit more healthy, take a walk with your friend, go to a museum, do something different. But still, even if the circumstances change, regardless of what you're doing, if you come away, how I used to feel with certain people in my life is a balloon that had just had a slow leak. And so a little tiny leak, and at the end of the encounter, I just slightly just uh, deflated, and it wouldn't float anymore. And that's how my spirit would feel. And so my spirit couldn't float because someone was 
keeping me down or hitting on the level or making little digs or not being truly happy when something's going well. And these are subtle little things that you might miss if you're only thinking with your head and you're only at that superficial level of checking in, how are the kids? How's the job? How's the husband? How's the wife? How's, you know, how's your golf score? Whatever. But if you start to listen or really pay attention to what's going on, like the digs, like I hear this a lot from guys. They're really overtly mean to each other. They make digs, they kid, they call each other homosexuals. They say, you know, really derogatory stuff to each other just to get a rise out of each other. And that's kind of how their testosterone plays out. But I'll tell you, it hurts these guys. It's not okay. And then women do it too. And, you know, they're just bitchy and they're not nice about what's going on in your life. How do you deal with that? Or have you encountered that? I mean, you're so chill. You probably don't attract those people, but they're certainly out there. No, no. They're out there, and I think in, in listening to this, that people are going to have little bubbles over their head <laughs> where, oh, there's Ellen, oh, there's my sister, oh, there's the neighbor, oh, here's so-and-so from high school, and, and, you know, oh, there's Bill, and, it, you know, goes on and on and on. Those references will come to their mind because we all have them, because that is life. There's an ebb and flow. Things happen in our lives, certainly in theirs as well. And it's all effectual. However, there also comes a time where you have to recognize that there's a relationship that you are dealing with in a friend zone that has become toxic to you. And the toxicity you're feeling is coming from that direction. And it's just a matter of how do you feel about that? What is it making you feel like? And is it hanging over into the rest of your day after that person has already left? And if so, put some distance between yourself and that person. Because life is short and there are plenty of people around that don't have that toxicity hanging over their head and they're pushing it onto you. Absolutely. And from an energetic level, you're right. There are people that have black clouds around them. I mean, just darkness and anger and angst. And when they leave a room, they leave a pile of their plume of darkness behind them. And you can literally feel it and that energetic trash that they can leave. And these people that are toxic are also very good at putting their poo on your platter. You know, they want to hand it to you. And so then you're just left sitting there going, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like I just poured my heart and soul out to my friend and I'm coming away now feeling just empty? I've had one of my least favorite comments, and I hear people say this a lot, is it must be nice. You know, a comment like that that's dismissive, it makes it sound like you've come into something easily. The one thing that seems more and more apparent the older I get is everyone struggles. Everyone's, whether they recognize it to a certain level or not, everyone struggles. And so when you make a comment like must be nice, it's just such a devaluing comment about someone's ambition or lifestyle or whatever they've chosen for themselves. 
it must be nice seems to me to the person saying it it's just kind of like a, a victim mentality i don't like that but i think it's also really important to recognize that you know we're we're all human we all make mistakes and sometimes we should have said the second thing on our mind instead of that first and it's difficult taking it back because it's been heard once it's out there and it's been heard it's done so if you can recognize one of those moments and instantly you think oh i wish i could have taken that back apologize just say you know i don't know where that came from i'm sorry and go on with it or maybe you do know where it came from and it's okay talk it out that's why they're called a friend there's this give and take but if you walk away after saying something like that and the other person has held up their hands and this is a valued friendship that you have and they go i'm done i am done i don't want you in my life anymore and they block you it's as if you were erased from existence in their mind. Ghosting. Later ghosting. on, yes. And later on, well, no, not really ghosting because they have told you, you know, we're done. Oh, okay. There's that exclamation point after. Okay, so it's the cutoff. It's not ghosting. Right. They've yeah. given you warning, but you're still freaking cut off at the knees, right? Right. And because that, that brings about a pain. Later on, they could go, oh, that was a really valued friendship. I really, really miss that person in my life. I wish I could have taken it back, but I don't have the opportunity because I don't even know where they are anymore. Yeah. It's very common that friendships take a pause. There's a natural ebb and flow to a long-term friendship, of course. Uh, it seems to be less common in love relationships that it ebbs and flows. but in a true friendship, there might be periods of time where you go a long period where you're not in contact and then you reunite and, you know, re-engage for a period of time. Often this occurs around reunions, high school reunions, college reunions and things. But dealing with those natural ebb and flows can be angst-ridden because you don't know if it's just kind of petering out for good or is it just kind of taking a little pause. Also, you can reconcile afterwards, but do so very carefully because big blow-ups are indicative of more of an instability or someone's temper or instability in the relationship, in my opinion. I think big blow-ups get ugly really quickly. And in this digital age, you know, people can do and say things so quickly that they might regret We all know that Facebook saves everything that we type, even if we erase it. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So a lot of people don't know that still. And they'll just put, you know, heinous things or accusations or whatever on Facebook and never send it. It's still all kept. Text can be devastating if you don't hit the pause button and think, you know, so respond, not react. What else about friendships in terms of their longevity or finding a new friend later in life. So everything that you were describing about the time of life early in life is very uh, common for people to find friends. And then obviously jobs as well. But as we age, it does get harder to find friends. And then you lose the job interaction sometimes and you may not have as much community involvement because the kids are grown. So what are your thoughts on finding friends later in life? And 
I know you have some stories about where you live that you can share too. I recently met a young couple. They're in their mid-30s, young couple to me, mid-30s, and she was pregnant and due in the next month or so, and her family is out of the country. They live in another country, and his closest relative lives in Eugene, and we live in the Portland area. So it's uh, an hour and a half, two hours away, driving-wise. And, and you're a neighbor. Yes, and they are neighbors. And we just, in talking, hit it off. And he's a runner. She likes walking. I do both. I was mentioning several of the hiking trails in the area that I had discovered and shared that with them. And they had invited me over. Well, then she gave birth to a, a beautiful little baby boy and texted me and said, I would love a shower and a short nap. Can you help me? And I went over there and, I mean, who doesn't just like fawn over a newborn? A big fix. Exactly. So, you know, she had that moment and then he came home from work, her husband, and then we chatted a little bit then. Well, it just so happened that early afternoon, uh, she texted me and said, hey, I think we could go for a walk. Will you help me get the stroller? out and uh, let's go take advantage of, of some weather. So we did, it was a lovely walk and we just even got closer and she was sharing with me that her mother was going to be coming next week. She was very excited and mother's going to be there for three weeks. So Oma will be very happy about that as well when she oh, shows. That's her. awesome. Uh, yeah. So that's a friendship. That I think in- that brings up A very important point, Cindy, which is intergenerational friendships are not just a good idea. They're a really important part of staying youthful. And it works Um, both ways. 100%. Yes. Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of that. In my profession, it's very important to not just work side by side, with those that are several generations younger, but it's a youth-oriented industry specifically where I live. Fashion. So, yes. And the majority of the people I work with have no idea how old I am. And that's fine. It also helps keep me employed. And I also have a couple of those friends that have said I'm their best friend. And one of them is 33 years old. And I cherish those friendships. I bring to the table my history and my wisdom and my experience, Mm -hmm. and she brings to the table her youth and her energy and her wanting more guidance or another point of view, if you will. We have great times together, and no one can make me laugh as much as she does. This is a great segue into the idea that friendships don't have to be like to like like i'm a 40 year old woman working in banking and i've got two kids therefore i gotta have a 40 year old something works in finance and has two kids i mean you can totally go up and down in the generations and interests and hobbies that's a great point cindy that's really well taken that older, younger is awesome because of that mentorship. 
when I was 20 living in New York, I had a 40 year old best friend and she was just amazing. She was that big sister kind of mother figure to me, but we were like this. And she obviously got something out of the relationship. The other thing about intergenerational relationships is that mentoring is so important to young people today because they really don't have a lot of people to look up to. They literally they have two-dimensional worlds now. There's like 60% of teenagers, there's 60% less dating right now in the last 10 years just because everyone's living digitally. And the friendships that they think they have online are not friendships. You know, literally, we're exchanging 2D for the real thing. And young people, men are not knowing, they're not growing up with male mentorship and friendship. Women are growing up without that. There's young women and men that don't know how to cook themselves a meal, don't know how to tie a slip knot. I mean, I know this is getting into real basics, but like literally having a, a friend a generation or two older can just be amazing. This is actually a passion for me in looking at aging and how we stay young is we have to have intergenerational activities because just staring at the same demo as you every single day is going to mean that one day you're that demo that is just waiting to die in a nursing home. So you got to have other people in your life, other generations, get out, get involved, make new friends. How do you recommend making new friends? So obviously you did something in the neighborhood that you live. That's a great idea. What else? Obviously interest groups. So we talked about meetup as a place where you could go and find like-minded people for groups that you're interested in. Right. I was going to just mention meetup. And so for those who haven't heard, you can Google meetup and there are a plethora of different subjects that are based in your community. And just one person may start it up. It could be somebody two, three blocks from your house that says, gosh, you know, I really, really like reading, but I would sure like to discuss some of these. And they start a book club, knitting clubs, wine, going to wine countries, food industry. You like to bowl, don't know anybody to bowl with, but you're not into leagues, there's a meetup for you. Hiking, bicycling, new mommies out there. And it really doesn't matter the subject, there is a meetup for it. And there are different people that go all the time. It isn't the same group. Mm -hmm. And if you're retired and you enjoy films, if there is a day in the theater where they have uh, discounts and there's a meetup, join them. If there isn't, create one. And, you know, if, if you build it, they will come. But they will. You and that's a great way to meet people. You can create your own group, I think, on Meetup. Yes, you can. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of a clearinghouse. I didn't understand that till the second time I went on the site, but it's pretty darn cool. Obviously, you know, anything related to hobbies like hiking, biking, working out, yoga, singing, really it doesn't, travel, all different types of travel on there. Language, 
How many girlfriends do you have percentage-wise versus guy friends? Many more. Me too. But I have, but I have a lot of guy friends. In fact, when we were talking a situation just last Sunday evening, and I had been out for a walk, I had just was coming back. I was about a block away. And this neighbor that I have met, nice guy, I've never met his wife, but he was out just finishing, you know, watering the lawn. And we were just standing on the side talking. And another couple that lives down the street also happened to be walking by. And so the four of us just stood there on the street corner and we're talking. And then here comes this other person we had never met before. And they just joined our conversation. And somebody mentioned a, a restaurant about a mile and a half away. And it's just a little neighbor, small, cute, little cheers type place. And they said, hey, they've got Taco Tuesdays. We should all go next Tuesday. Well, guess what we're going to do next Tuesday? And so, you know, I had met a couple of them, one I'd never met before, but now I'm going to get to know her. So how easy was that? Well, that brings up the point that we need to make new friends any age or stage of life, that it's a natural part of living to have new people come in and even to sort through the old. We change, just like in a marriage you change. We're beings that evolve. So the friendships that you brought into adulthood may not serve you anymore, and you might need to look for new friends like we're talking about right here. But at the same time, you might need to cull through some old ones if you're not finding them fulfilling or anything. But really, when you're stretching out to look for new friends, look for opportunities that are obviously based on interest, but look for a variety of ages of people and, you know, strike up a conversation. You never know where it's going to lead uh, is the basic uh, advice. But the reason season lifetime concept is really where we started and where we'll finish. You know, someone that comes into your life for a reason may take you a little time or effort to find that reason, but that's usually one that's pretty explanatory Some, and you can get comfortable with it. The ones that come in for a lifetime, obviously we still have and must feel good about them. But the ones that are challenging are the seasonal ones. Because sometimes we've moved them into the lifetime category or we don't really see them as seasonal. We want them to be perennial and they go away, whether it's because circumstances change. We know that moving causes friendships to change drastically. How many times have I had a friend where we're really close when we live near each other, but then when one person moves a great distance away, it kind of fades or job changes or you know, there's just so many times of life that our life pivots and that friendship has lost the glue that held it together. Have you, I've had that numerous times. Your friends at work, you change jobs and you no longer can find the time to get together, even though it's really close, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So a lot of friendship, I just was listening to a podcast on this yesterday and the gentleman was saying that a lot of friendship is about proximity and about what's convenient. So you're friends with someone at work because you work together. You're friends with someone at school because you go to school together. And then when life changes, the friendship may or may not survive. And getting okay with that concept that people are here for a season or a reason 
but not a lifetime is important. But it's very hard for me. Seasonal people are hard. There's also those that, um, let's talk about the school situation, for example, because I just recently had a reunion. And the reunion was in Southern California. I live in Oregon. So I haven't seen any of these women in really quite some time. And a couple, no, actually, I'm going to pair that back. Even one was the only one that I was in touch with through social media, but not that much. But in going down there, oh my God, it was, it was as if no time had gone by. We all gravitated towards each other the moment that we walked into the room. We instantly turned into 17, 18-year-old girls all over again. No time had passed for us. And this continued over the weekend at one of our friend's house where, you know, we, we had a barbecue and just hung out and talked and laughed and caught up and shared photos. And it was great. And I think that is really healthy. That feeds the soul because it's almost like a reverse vortex, you know, where you get to relive a lot of that with other friends. And you walk away with this glow starting in your guts because you've connected on a different level with friends that remember you way, way back then. And it's such a good feeling. And then once you return to your everyday life, and then out of the blue, you get a text or a phone call or something, you know, an email or whatever from one of these going, oh my gosh, I just remembered, blah, blah, blah. And the two of you just have a hearty laugh. That is so, so good and healthy for people to be able to do that. Well, that's a good plug to go to your reunions. That's awesome. Because a lot of people psych themselves out of reunions because they're afraid. And they're afraid of the changes that have occurred or what was there years ago in terms of popular people, the bullies. So a lot of people stay home from reunions. But that's a great point, too, because those ladies that are now in their 60s are very different people, too, than they were in their teenage years. And now you guys get to know each other at a very different time of life. And these could end up continuing to be your lifelong friends. And then you say to yourself, wow, we've been friends for this many decades. And it adds another uh, chink in the armor of, you know, the positive life experiences. And like you said, just the antithesis of what we've been talking about, that gut feeling that things aren't right. You're talking about a gut feeling that your basically your joy bucket has been filled. And that's how you want to feel whether you're talking to a spouse, a parent, a friend, a child. You don't want to come away feeling like I have a sucker punch to the gut or that just even if it's that nagging little gut feeling, you want to come away with a feeling of fullness from a sense of happiness and joy um, rewarded for that effort of that friendship. Another thing that always seems unnecessary to me is superfluous gifts in a relationship. I mean, I'm not a a gift receiver or giver extraordinaire. It's just, you know, gifts are gifts to me. They're just kind of impartial. So Cindy, thank you for joining us so much today as we talked about good friends, platonic friends, and how to know when you need to end a friendship. And 
how to find new friends. Any parting comments for us? Get out there, circulate, be happy, share your happy because somebody else is wanting to talk to you too, wanting to get to know you. Yeah, and when you go out, think about what you're hoping to achieve. Put a positive spin on it. If you go out kind of, I don't want to do this, or I'm not going to meet anybody, you know, and you're all closed down, you're not going to be very approachable. And so think about turning the corners up your mouth up. Think about giving that smile, speaking softly, being polite, and be a magnet for people. That's really important. Once again, I'm Elizabeth, your host of Not Old Yet Global Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the like button and subscribe as well. And we'll see you on the next episode of Not Old Yet. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.